from the Carter Subaru Studios. This is Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to the show. Well, you guys are on fire tonight on the text line on the Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line, 888-973-5476. Our listeners are really funny. They're really funny people, and I think that's why we get along so well. They're my friends, and uh, thank you guys for texting in. <laughs> I just, I sit here during the commercial breaks, and I'm just having 200 conversations simultaneously with many of you, and you guys are very, very funny. So, And a lot of the stuff I actually use on the show, so I, uh, if you hear one of your jokes being stolen and used by me, please take it as a compliment. Um, all right, so it's the news roundup. It's top of the 8 o'clock hour. Lisa Brooks joins us. Lisa, welcome. Thank you. Best part of my day. That's so nice of you to say. We love when you're here, too. It's a lot of fun. I just think it's fun that we can all just hang out and chat. Yeah. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Ironically, we don't get a chance to do that much, even though we do three hours of radio that all of us can just chat. But in this segment, everything's just so easygoing. We just like react mm-hmm. to these things, and uh, it's very nice. Matt, welcome. Thank you. All right. Glad to uh, be here at my job. At, glad, glad you're here. At the start of every show, Matt, did you under, did you know this trivia clip the second I started playing it? Yes, I You did. got it pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. All right. And most people in the text line did. But Lisa, it's not your opportunity. I'm okay. going to play this text clip for you. I'm going to. It's not a text clip. I'm going to play this trivia clip. You can let me know if you get it. Okay. All right, you ready? Okay. Here it is. See, the sad thing about a guy like you is, in 50 years, you're going to start doing some thinking on your own, and you're going to come up with the fact that there are two certainties in life. One, don't do that. And two, you dropped 150 grand on an education you could have got for a dollar fifty in late charges at the public library. <laughs> yeah, but I will have a degree, and you'll be serving my kids fries at a drive-through on our way to a skiing trip. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, but at least I won't be unoriginal. But I mean, if you have a problem with that, I mean, we could just step outside. We could figure it out. No, oh, man, there's no problem. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah, cool. It's cool. It's cool. Uh, pretty good scene. Pretty iconic yeah, scene, actually. Yeah. Do you remember this movie? I do. What yeah. is it? I, this is Goodwill Hunting, isn't Good it? Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Good job. Great good movie. job. Everybody in the text line got it. Only one person got it wrong, and they said Grease. Everybody else got Goodwill Hunting, and they were all simultaneously mad at me for not including the How Do You Like Them Apples That's part of that. That's the most famous part, right? It is, but it's like uh, it's two minutes later. It's after they've had many right. other bar conversations, and uh, so I just couldn't make it all fit together. I didn't want to edit the whole movie down. It's just not supposed to. It's supposed to be a short clip. Um, that movie is so fantastic. I, it's just one of those movies you instantly see it and you go, oh, this is so genius. Those guys started writing that movie. You've heard yeah. how they wrote that movie? Yeah. They started writing it as a class assignment when he was going to, I think Matt Damon started it when he was going to Harvard at the time. And then he and his best friend slash, you know, life movie partner slash everything, Ben Affleck, the two of them ended up writing it together. And then they win an Oscar. At yeah. like, and do you remember that Oscar yes, speech between the two? Yes, they were so excited. It was amazing. Well, yeah, of course you would be. First movie, and they are, they win a screenwriting Oscar for yeah. it. It was incredible. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And they're in their 20s? Yeah. It's just like, ah, stuff dreams are made of. Pretty cool. And now but they're it, doing Dunkin' Donuts commercials. And now they're doing Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> probably one they, of the few I remembered from this year's Super Bowl. It stood out. I like that commercial. Yeah, yeah. They probably made more in that Duncan movie, or the Duncan commercial, <laughs> than they did on that movie. I bet you're right. Maybe not after all this time. I bet you Goodwill's made them some money. But uh, that Duncan commercial, I heard they made a lot. And it was very funny, like yeah. super funny. All right, let's get into the news roundup. Let's start here. Seattle's Morning News. Mike Lewis uh, joins to discuss recent big tech layoffs. I hope this is more interesting than it sounds. This week, Dave and I called up our Cairo News Radio colleague and GeekWire's own Mike Lewis to help us understand what's happening and if it can give us a glance into the tech world's crystal ball. But I'd probably 
tell people to to expect more. I mean, we've there's Mike Lewis works with GeekWire. Yeah, he went over there. I didn't know that. Yeah, and fills in here sometimes. Oh, that's great. It's been I don't know roughly better than two hundred thousand layoffs over the past couple of years, broadly speaking, in the tech industry and all the big five tech. Companies, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, Apple, Meta, they all have thousands of employees. Obviously, Microsoft much more and Amazon much more, but thousands of employees in Seattle. So anytime you hear about a tech layoff, you're going to hear about something in Seattle. Despite laying off thousands and thousands of workers, tech company revenues shot up. But Mike says that's not necessarily due to the shedding of jobs. It's because companies are finding they're able to do more with less. However, largely they're not necessarily yet being replaced because a lot AI still can't do everything that these companies want it to do. They're not yet being replaced by AI. In fact, the AI departments in all of these companies, Apple included, which is secretly working on something it says is pretty spectacular. Those areas of these companies are actually hiring fairly rapidly. The problem is there is a a dearth of qualified AI engineers, and they're getting just like the way that we were running out of chips. The AI engineers are getting snapped up by everyone because everyone feels like they need to have a dog in this fight. Did you guys hear that part? That's what caught that whole thing was uh, the part that really caught my attention was when he said that Apple is working on something that they think is really spectacular. Now, Apple obviously kind of changed the world when they came out with the uh, iPod, mm-hmm. right? And then that became the iPhone later. They came out with the iPhone. Right. I just know the iPod was first. Then they came out with the iPhone. Yeah. The iPhone is really what changed the world, don't yeah, you think? Yes. What was that, 2006? 2006 or seven? Yeah. I want to say seven, but okay. you might be right. So it maybe could be, but whatever. It's around then. So what else could they be coming up with? Well, isn't this more like a software kind of thing? That's what's intriguing to me. Well, they it's do, AI, maybe it's AI related. Like, it's a, is it a, a device? Usually, don't they usually do devices? So, if they do an AI yeah, they device. they got like a goggle thing okay. that, that, that you can look through. It's like these glasses that you look through, and then the whole world is kind of uh, distorted in some way. Oh. It's like a. Yeah, I don't I know don't anything know about technology, this. so I can I can describe to you things, but I have no basis no. for what I'm describing. Matt, go ahead. Yeah, I don't know what this is. I'm very curious because I've been a lifelong Apple fan, but the thing that they were rumored to be working on that never seems to quite materialize or be clarified is supposedly they want to develop a car. A smart car. Oh, a smart car. Yeah, yeah I've heard really? this. I've yeah. heard this. Yeah. Also, Dyson. Time. Wasn't Dyson the vacuum maker working on a car? Did you guys remember yeah, hearing them? A car that really yeah. sucks. <laughs> Very nice, Lisa. Well played. I well, Dyson makes some really great products. They're expensive and, though, and not and some really bad products. I really I invested in one of those once, and it did not work for me at well, was, all. I assume it was a vacuum, it was a vacuum of some vacuum kind. Cleaner, and it failed to suck. Really it sucked because it, it did failed the only to thing suck. it wasn't supposed <laughs> yes. to do. Yes. Uh, well, I've heard, yeah, I've heard that they were, I don't know if they still are, but I heard that they were, uh, I wonder what they're working on though. I have a friend, I can't say which company he works for cause I don't want to get him in trouble, but I was talking with a friend of mine who works for a very big, one of these five tech companies that they just named. And he was telling me, he was not specific. And actually in my conversation with him, he goes, I actually can't tell you uh, anything about what we're working on. And I was like, all right, that's fine. Cause they all have these like really like hard and fast NDAs, you know, like they're not supposed to talk about any of this stuff. But he said the stuff we're working on right now is he's in like the 10 years down the road group. That's the place to be. Where they're working on things that, that they have already in hand and every day he's using it and interacting with it and, and doing something with it. And he goes, the stuff that it's doing will just explode your mind, but they won't even bring it to market for at least the next five to 10 years. Wow. And he's like, I wish I could tell you what it is. I cannot tell you what it is. And it's just 
kind of scary almost. He goes, the things that they're able to do already with technology is just scary. And like, have you guys used any of those Oculus things no. that, no, that Meta no. has? So the Oculus, I think they just came out with Oculus 3. Is that the one that they just came out with? A buddy of mine got it. And he goes, you got to come over and try this thing. And so what it is, you guys know what it is. So it's Virtual like you, reality kind it of thing. It is, right? yeah. And you've seen Ready Player One, that movie from yeah, Steven yeah. Spielberg based on that great book. Have you seen that movie? No. You should see it. Okay. It's kind of a good insight into where all this stuff is going. It's a futuristic world where everybody just basically exists in this place. It's a singularity, right? Isn't that what they mean by the singularity is we become one with this, with, with technology? Well, and... it, it, kind of, yeah. Okay. It's it's If that's what it means, yeah. It, but it's it's kind of like that. And uh, so everybody's on these headsets and they like they, they disregard their real life because they're actually like putting time into living in this alternate universe. And so um, my buddy calls me over to the house. He goes, you got to try this. And so I put these things on. And for about five minutes, I'm not totally loving it. And it's kind of making me a little bit, um, you know, like you get when you're on a boat, you know, like almost seasick. And then your body just accepts it. Huh. And I was driving a F1 race car. I'm sitting there and he's got the whole shifter set up at his house. Ridiculous. And, you know, like I'm literally, I'm sitting in what would feel like a race car. I'm shifting what would feel like a race car. And now it's a totally immersive experience. I can look all around from left to right, up and down. And I'm in this real world and I'm feeling the G's as I'm, and there's no way I'm actually. How do you do that? It's so bizarre. It's just like my brain is playing tricks on me. So there's some weird stuff coming out. I don't know what it's going to be because I don't really follow technology a ton, but it's pretty creepy. Weird stuff. Weird, weird, wild stuff. All right, G and Ursula, uh, should you give chocolates for Valentine's Day? G, I know this is one of your favorite days of the year. Can't stand it. I know you can't. Can't stand it. I know you can't. But it's because you are romantic all year long, and then to have that extra pressure on Valentine's Day, I'm thinking, just is not something you appreciate. No. But... Around this time of year, you always get those, uh, you know, best advice. What are the best tips? These are last minute gift ideas. And I want to run through a couple of them. And then I I want you all to weigh in too. Muckleshoot Casino Resort text line 888-973-5476, cairo If you're going to buy chocolate, apparently it's going to be more expensive this year. Hershey's is issuing a warning that cocoa prices are at an all-time high. Somehow it always manages to hit right on the day that you would need to buy a lot of chocolate. Mm -hmm. But is giving chocolate even something that you should do? When was the last time you bought a box of chocolates for a loved one? What do you think, Matt? Chocolate? No chocolate? It's a good idea? is it ever a bad time for chocolate? Yay, Matt. So. Yay, Matt. Always chocolate. Well, for val- for Valentine's Day, though, does it feel like kind of a cop-out, or should you make a little more effort? Well, or- you should do other things, but I'm certainly not going to complain if chocolate is involved. Yeah. Okay. Lisa, what do you think on Valentine's Day? Uh, chocolate? Box, yes. A heart box of chocolate? Yeah. yeah. I don't know about the heart shape, because I don't know anybody that really good that makes I'm into the really good Belgian chocolates and stuff like that. Where do you even get something like that? Oh, See, you I gotta don't know. go like, to Belgium. I've been to Bruges, Belgium. No, no, no. Best Let me tell chocolates you, you'll ever have in your best life. Best chocolatier in the world. Yeah. Bar none, hands down, full stop, lights out. Stofers. <laughs> <laughs> you ever had you ever had it? Uh-huh. Have you ever had it? Uh-huh. Have you had their nougat? Uh-huh. I'm telling you, you it's go- the highest quality. <laughs> you need to go to Bruges, Belgium and get the some of their nougat. 
It's probably made in Bruges. If that's the best <laughs> chocolate in the world, that's probably where it's made. No. Stouffer's. No. You don't think so? You I know, bet you- I respect Stouffer's, and I think they put out a fine product for the price point and everything. Not the best in the world. Not disagree. Even close. Agree to disagree. No, I, I don't agree to disagree. Is, You're is just Mrs. wrong. Is Mrs. Scorheim going to receive a lovely Stouffer's <laughs> box of Stouffer's? Is such a high quality, <laughs> fine chocolate. Mrs. Mrs. Scorheim, <laughs> we know what you're getting. No, I don't buy chocolates. Uh, if I did, she's not going to eat them. She's not a chocolate person. No. We buy we buy little you know candy things for the kids. Okay. Um, candy candy on me is wasted. I'm just not interested in it. Yeah. I have no interest in candy. Good I don't like you. it. Uh, I, I love, I'm allergic to milk. Otherwise I would devour ice cream 24 hours a day. Val, what do you guys think about the holiday though? It's just like a larger question. What do you think about the holiday of Valentine's day? Does it feel like, do you think it's a legitimate holiday or do you feel like it's a complete made up scam? Like a corporate greedy scam. And you might be able to sense where I come down on this. Uh, well, I can tell that you're into the corporate greedy scam part. Yeah. <laughs> Number one, you're a guy. Number two, you're, you're looking at me with a kind of a funny expression. No, no, no. I'm, like if you if you think it's a great idea, if you think it's I, a nice holiday, you know, then it's great. I'm not involved at the moment, and so it's kind of not on my ra- radar. Sure, sure, sure. So, but when you are involved, when I, you're seeing somebody, you know, it, it's nice. It's yeah. nice to be thought of. It's nice. It's nice to have an extra special thing. I don't. I don't live or die on what I get. Do you go out of your way to be the giver on Valentine's yeah, Day? Yeah, sure. You do? Sure. Okay, so it's reciprocated. Absolutely. It's not just like you're expecting oh, no. it's a one-way thing. No, 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 yeah. no. It's two-way. That's good. That's nice. Yeah. Matt, how about you? I mean, I feel the same. Like, in all the stresses we have, having a day where you remember to do something nice for somebody you care about is always a good thing. It's a, it's, I love it. I, I, you know, I love... Getting my girlfriend something for Valentine's Day, putting some thought into it, although probably not as much thought as she puts into my gifts, sadly. But she gives some pretty good gifts. She is a very that is one of her excellent traits is she is so thoughtful yeah. in the gifts that she gives and she knows the person she's giving to really well. Yeah. She puts a lot of thought and a lot of heart into oh, it. Oh, spill the tea. Tell us more. Just I mean, it's that way every time. I mean, uh-huh. she'll She'll it might be maybe it's too knows. personal. You don't want to shit. Yeah, yeah. I get sometimes, it. I get but it. whoever it is in her family circle, or she knows they like a certain thing. She made me Chex Mix for Christmas just because she knew I grew up with that and Ooh. loved loved that. So Aww. she made some. That's nice. You know, sweet handmade nice. personal stuff like that. Very nice. I hate it. I hate that yeah. holiday, Aww. and I think it's ridiculous. Not because I don't like love. I celebrate love. I love. I'm about to have my fourth kid. Believe me, yeah. I like it. But I'm not a huge fan of the Valentine's Day holiday. I do feel like maybe it's a little bit more, um, it's all kind of centered around the corporate, uh, you should be buying things, you should be buying boxes of heart-shaped chocolates, you should be getting the specific types of cards. The worst date I ever had with my wife before we were married, the worst date I ever had with her, it's just in life, not just before we were married, worst time, was on Valentine's Day. We started dating at the end of the previous year, mm-hmm. and Valentine's Day kind of sneaks up on you at the very start of the oh, new year. so it was early on. Early on, so there's just kind of like expectation that thing need, things need to go well, mm-hmm. and people need to pay attention to it. So there's all this like, pressure. there's all this pressure and anxiety locked into it. I went out because I was like, all right, we're gonna go out and have a nice night. Stupidly, I went out and I got a new uh, like a jacket for dinner, you know, uh-huh. like a nice jacket. I don't know why. I went to Macy's. They talked me into a corduroy tan jacket. I'm already a very white person. My skin is almost <laughs> translucent, so you can see through me. So you put me in like a corduroy tan jacket. Where's Jake? 
that's no. three sizes too big. Aww. And I just, I looked ridiculous. And I have blonde hair. So I just looked like a psychopath <laughs> showing up at her door. She also wasn't super excited about going out for the night because she felt like, oh, there's a lot of pressure for this oh. night to go perfect. And so we both agreed that like, it was just, and the, the whole night we were just both kind of on edge yeah. and we were just kind of getting to know each other. So it was like awkward. Yeah. We didn't really feel yet like we could really have those conversations, those real conversations where we could both be like, this is horrible, right? We just hate it. Don't we both hate this? So at the end of the night, I kind of walk her back to her door and I'm just like, all right, well, you know, and she's like, that was a really bad night, you know, but we both were like, yes, we both hated it. And then we were able to build a very strong relationship. Well, it made you closer then. It did. Valentine's Day brought us closer through our mutual dislike of the holiday. Okay, that works. <laughs> so it works. It's a Valentine's miracle. See, and if there hadn't been a Valentine's Day for you to go on that awful date, who knows where if would I'd even have now? kids? Yes. I might not even be married right now. There you go. Yeah. So thank you, St. Valentine's. Thank you. All right, Matt, do we have time for one more? Or do we not have which which one? Jack and Spike, uh, John Sherry, you choose. Jack and Spike. All right, Jack and Spike. Taylor Swift's team wants to put a stop to somebody tracking her. Taylor Swift is demanding that a college student stop tracking her private jet. Now, this is uh, there was that kid who also did it to Elon Musk. Same kid, isn't it? Same kid. Okay. Uh, yeah. There's probably going to be legislation about this because it is an invasion of privacy and it does show stalkers, basically, it's a form of digital stalking, which is giga cringe. More importantly, though, I thought the I think the world was a lot better when we didn't have so much access to everything all of the time. I, I would agree with you. As we just I would we, totally agree was, with you on that. People had a lot more space to think about themselves in a philosophic way. Am I a good person? What does it mean to be a moral person? What does it mean to be a kind person? What does love actually mean? These are deep philosophic concepts. And most people, if I ask them these questions, they'll be like, that's a Taylor Swift song, right? Love? <laughs> that's the second song on her most recent record. Love, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Plank space. So, but let me ask you this, though. Isn't it great that Taylor Swift is going to fix this problem no. for us? No, sure it is. Sure it is. No, fixes problems. No, is, Elon Musk couldn't fix it. it you know, nobody cared when this when this kid was tracking Elon Musk jet. They said he deserves it. Do you guys uh, do you guys care at all that people track jets? It's like I'm on a I'm on a website right now. I, yeah. it's there are a number of websites that have live tracking of all all aircraft yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah. So you can theoretically track anybody. It's fascinating. We were waiting for the vice president, Kamala Harris, to come to Seattle sure. at one point. And it's very difficult to actually track a, a well, jet. Well, a presidential jet is yes, different. Yes, But you can do it. But you can do it. And we figured out oh, how to do it. Oh, I know you can it. do it. Yeah. yeah. My dad does it. Oh, he doesn't okay. track Taylor Swift. He, I don't even think he knows who Taylor Swift so, is. But so anytime, whatever. I mean, any, is he threatening this them or anything? No, well, I don't know. the I don't thing know. is, too, he focuses in on the Twitter feed, and it's the way he grabs followers by being like, "Hey, you can track this person's jet." It oh. ticked off. Like for for a female celebrity, I can understand why that could be kind of uncomfortable. She's got like nine hundred bodyguards with her, though. I'm sure she's fine. But yeah, I mean, don't track people's jets or track them. I don't care. But my dad, back to my dad's story. Oh. My dad tracks jets. Doesn't track them, but he has this app on his phone. Uh, they live up in Snohomish County, so like they're, they're near that new. What's that? Is it the Painfield yeah. Airport? So he flies out of there. Anytime they fly, they go out of the Painfield Airport. Great place to fly. Beautiful. People yeah. love it. They yeah. always talk about, oh, it's like flying first class. It's a VIP experience every time you go to the airport because it's a small regional yeah. airport. But they do fly like a lot of places, so it's really great. So my dad got really into airplanes. And so now every time we're at the house and we're sitting in the backyard because they have all these planes that fly over now heading to Painfield. Pain, oh. pain mm-hmm. He doesn't mind it. 
uh, he always he goes, hey, you want to know what kind of plane that is? And nobody does, of course. Like nobody cares what kind of plane it is. But he looks up and he grabs his phone. And he goes, that is a uh, C-130 something something. And we're just like, all right, thanks, Dad. And then he's silent for a few minutes. And then another plane flies by in the distance. He goes, that is coming in from. And like Aww. that's his contribution. That's kind of cool, though. No, it's not. Aww. It's super dorky and it's such a dad thing to do. Uh, but he could tell you any plane. So if Taylor Swift ever flies into Everett, if she's ever staying in Everett for the weekend, my dad's going to know about it. So I hope that's not a problem. All right, we got a lot more coming up. Stick around. We're going to be right back here on Cairo Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorheim. Welcome back to the show. Uh, thank you to the text messengers who are so quick to correct me when I say things incorrectly. So last segment, we were talking about Valentine's Day. I was jokingly telling Lisa that the best chocolates in the world were made by Stouffer's, which I have now been told is actually a frozen meal that you can buy in the grocery <laughs> aisle. Russell Stouffer's, v, 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 v in chocolate, V, uh, Stouffer's is the chocolates. Not Stouffer's. Stouffer's is meatloaf. Stouffer's is the chocolate. So I am certainly not buying meatloaf for a Valentine's Day gift. But thank you very much for telling me this. I did not know this. Uh, so from Bonnie in Seattle, really thank you very much because I sounded like an idiot, which is not uncommon on this show if you listen uh, for a long time. All right. This was really funny. I wanted to play this for you guys. We talked to um, Dave Wyman the other day, and he told us this great story about Super Bowl one. And the reason this was so cool and so relevant to a story today is because CBS News just put out this, uh, you know, it's been a couple days now since the Super Bowl, and they just put out this big press release that says, hey, everyone, just so you know, Super Bowl uh, LVIII, Roman numeral something, is the most watched program ever with 123.4 million viewers. Oh, that's pretty neat. One, two, three, four. 123.4 million viewers, up 7% from last year's Super Bowl. It is the most watched, most streamed thing across all networks with more than 200 million people tuning in. And they said that uh, basically basically everybody in the world watched it. So congratulations if you somehow managed not to see the Super Bowl. So when we were on uh, the other day, just right after the Super or no, right before the Super Bowl, I was asking Dave Wyman some stuff. We were talking, and if you didn't hear the interview, it's actually a really great interview. It's not actually really great. Like, you should be surprised. Dave Wyman is always a fantastic interview. He's a super fun guy. He's really smart. He knows everything about football, but he's also just a really fun guy to chat to because he's had a crazy life and he's done a lot of fun things and he's really funny. So listen to his show also, the the Wyman and Bob show on 710 Seattle Sports. So he came on our show and he was telling me about the Super Bowl's humble beginnings going all the way back to Super Bowl one. It was fascinating. Here they are. You know what? Super Bowl history, if you watch the very first Super Bowl, have you ever looked at the highlights? It's the Packers and the Chiefs, I think. No. Oh, it's it's fantastic. Is first it, of is all, it black and white? Uh, no, it's in color, but okay. like they have all these hokey things. First of all, it's at the LA Coliseum and it's like 30% full. And then everyone's like, what is this? Like, yeah. What is this, what is this Super Bowl? I don't know thing? if this thing's going to take. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> I don't know exactly. if it's going to work. Yeah. And for a while there in like the 70s, they used to have up with people. You ever heard of that group? No. It was like, I don't know if they were religious <laughs> or what, but it was like a big singing group that would sing like happy, positive songs and the they'd all be dressed alike. Are they like and, the Hare Krishnas? Or are they, are they, well, they're not no, bald, right? Not so much that. No, okay. no. But um, yeah, it was, it was just strange. And then, you know, and then you would have like bands perform at half 
time. And then, and really quick, the story in Super Bowl one was that it was Green Bay. There was a starting um, uh, starting receiver who got injured, or he was sick the day of, or he got injured in the game, I think. And there's a guy now I'm blank, Max McGee. So he was a, a backup receiver, and he okay. was never going to get out on the field because they had like three he's receivers. Backup. Yeah, yeah, he's a backup, and they didn't run a bunch of multi wide receiver schemes or anything. There was like three wide receivers on the team. And so uh, he went out the night before and was smoking and drinking and reportedly got in at like six in the morning. Because he's just having a great time. Oh, yeah. He's, he's just like, I yeah. don't know what this Super Bowl thing is, but I'm going to go and have, <laughs> have some fun. He went to all these parties. He rolls in at like six o'clock. He probably was actually working his other job because back then yeah, they all had, they like had five to. jobs. Yeah, but he, you know, he rolls in, gets a couple hours of sleep, and then he ends up catching the ball like eight times for 137 yards, two touchdowns, Whoa! and he was hung over. The whole time? Yeah. And he just had like a phenomenal game? Well, let's see. Having I've never never done that, but like it would probably take a quarter to work it out of you, Yeah, and then you'd be you'd be okay. That's crazy. So the first Super Bowl was 30% attended yeah. and was serenaded by a Christian rock band. I the NFL has that. come a long way. Yes, it has. <laughs> it has. <laughs> All right, so I wanted to look into that. Dave Wyman was referencing the first Super Bowl ever. I had never seen it. I didn't even know it was in color. So I went back and found it on YouTube that he was talking about. This is really cool. This is footage from the first game. It's not footage. It's audio. You're going to hear audio. This is radio, folks. So this is audio from the first game. They're they're detailing. This kind of the setup to the game. They're just talking about the game. But this would have been what it sounded like all the way back at Super Bowl one. On January 15, 1967, on a bright, clear day in the Los Angeles Coliseum, the big question which had troubled the football world for seven years was answered. For the first time, the Green Bay Packers, champions of the National Football League, played the Kansas City Chiefs, the best team in the American Football League. The game was the first concrete evidence of the merger of the two leagues, and it was played for the highest stakes ever. $15,000 per man for the winning players. The Super Bowl was seen by the largest sports audience in the history of television. 65 million people watching the broadcast on two networks. It's so fun. I kind of went down a rabbit hole after Dave, uh, Dave told me about that, and I was kind of getting that prepared for the show. You can find, this is, this is a an obvious statement that all of you are well aware of. And Matt knows this for sure too. You can find so many cool things on YouTube. There's just like, people have loaded things that you would never know to look at. Like I had, I had no idea that that was there, but of course you can watch the entire first Super Bowl. Commercials all cut out. You just watch the game. If you want to watch a Super Bowl game in really low definition, for some reason, you can go back and do that on YouTube, which is fantastic. Do you ever find yourself doing that, Matt, just going down yeah, rabbit holes? Especially with like old records. Like you'll see people rip things off of original 45s that are long out of print. These yeah. rare songs you can't even buy digitally or on CD. And there they are on YouTube. Old radio broadcast. Isn't that fun? Historical. It's so cool. So the other day, uh, my son wanted to watch. Like he just loves watching uh, uh, football highlights. But I was just like, no, it's middle of basketball season for him. So I'm like, no, 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 I want you to watch. So we were watching like some Steph Curry highlights and stuff. And then I get it in my head. I'm like, oh, you know would be really fun? I should show him some stuff back when I was in the NBA. Now, I wasn't actually in the NBA. I worked for the NBA. I was a ball boy for the Sonics for like four years. 
But there's all these games when I was in the sauna, when I was with the sauna, and you guys can do this at home if you really, really want to, although you're going to have to have a really keen eye because it's all in shockingly low definition. Between, uh, let's see, it would have been between 2001 and 2005, I was a ball boy for the Sonics, which means that during the games, you would find me directly behind the bench handing out Gatorade and water, technically also a water boy. And so I looked these up. I'm like, oh, I wonder if there's any of these games on YouTube. They're all there. You can watch all the games on YouTube. It's really cool. you got to kind of know how to type them in, know what to look for. So I get this idea my, to my son. I'm like, hey, do you want to see what I look like when I was 17, 16, 17, 18, 19 years old? Do you want to see dad on TV? Because I'm on all the games. Like anytime they cut to the, the bench, boom, there's my fat head sitting right behind the players. And I don't, like, obviously I look like a tiny little child, so it's confusing as to why I'm on the bench. But I'm right there. The problem with it, though, is I just assumed that it would look like super crystal clear. We are so used to high definition these days. Anything that's not, anything 10 years older now than like right now, like anything from 2013 and earlier is like watching something in a time capsule. It's unwatchable. Like whenever that HD shift happened and high definition became the norm, you cannot even enjoy stuff from before then. So you can't really even tell it's me, to be honest. It's just like you see this little tiny blonde blur amongst these massive giant basketball players. And that's me. So go ahead and check it out if you want to see what I look like back then. All right, we got a lot more coming up. Stick around. Harvard students have really put themselves out there. They are striking for a reason that they feel is very important. The lengths to which they are willing to go to prove their point are actually kind of hilarious. So you guys should tune in. I'm going to tell you about that when we come back. We're going to be right back here on Cairo Nights. You're listening to Cairo Nights with Jake Scorhan. Welcome back to the show. Tons of great text messages. A lot of very scary stories about tick bites. I was talking about tick bites earlier. My son had a tick bite, and uh, we managed to found a tick on his head. We got it off. Uh, but somebody texted in and said that he got he was uh, he was in the um, military and he was out doing something. When he came back, he checked his nether region and he had a tick down there. He said it was one of the scariest moments of his life. He stupidly freaked out and uh, pulled it out of there in a way that he shouldn't have. Luckily, he's okay. So, Zach, I'm glad you're still with us, buddy. All right. Um, I pr- I told you I was going to tell you the story about Harvard, which I will in just a second. It's very funny. Some students at Harvard are taking a hunger strike, and it is hel- for a hilarious short time, which I will get to in just a moment. But first, uh, we were talking earlier. We played these clips from um, we played these clips from uh, John Stewart who is back on The Daily Show, and he was discussing whether or not it's okay to talk about Biden's cognitive health. And I thought he was pretty funny. These two candidates, they are both similarly challenged. And it is not crazy to think that the oldest people in the history of the country to ever run for president might have some of these challenges. Now, Democrats will say that any criticism like this, especially of Biden, is unfair because you just don't know Biden like they know Biden. President Biden, who I've been around uh, numerous times just in this last year, is sharp, he's focused, he's bright. He is sharp, intensely probing, and detail-oriented and focused. This is a man who is sharp, who is on top of his game, who knows what's going on. He's smart, he's on his game. I was in almost every meeting with the president, and the president 
was in front of and on top of it all, coordinating and directing leaders who are in charge of America's national security, not to mention our allies around the globe. Did anyone film that? <laughs> because if you're... If you're telling us behind the scenes he is sharp and full of energy and on top of it and really in control and leading, you should film that. <laughs> that would be good to show to people <laughs> instead of a TikTok where he goes... <laughs> All right, John Stewart. He's very funny. You can catch him on Mondays. He's on The Daily Show just once a week, but it's a pretty funny guy. All right. Uh, so at Harvard, there are apparently a bunch of students who are doing a hunger strike. And they're doing the hunger strike in solidarity with students from another uh, university, Brown, who are also doing a hunger strike. But that one seems a little more serious. I guess at Brown, they want the university, the Brown Corporation, whatever the Brown, whoever owns Brown, whatever the business side of Brown is, they would like Brown to divest from Israel. Now that's a tough thing to do, I would imagine, at Brown. And so they are saying, until you divest from Israel, we're not going to eat. And they went on, uh, they called for an eight-day hunger strike. I don't know if they, I think it was an indefinite amount of time, but I think it lasted eight days. So at Harvard, they said, hey, Brown's getting some attention. We're going we're gonna to do what Harvard, what Brown is doing. We're going to also go on a hunger strike. This uh, pro-Palestinian Harvard student group said, we're going to go on a hunger strike, but we're going to do it for 12 hours, which is basically skipping lunch. That's what they're going to do. Brown does it for eight days. At Harvard, the best and the brightest, they say, we're going to do it for 12 hours, which actually is like a really healthy way to live. People do this all the time. They do like this 12-hour thing where like you fast for 12 hours and then you can only eat inside this small pocket of, you know, this small window. I don't know if they're going to get what they're out for uh, with this protest, with this hunger strike, but they'll probably be healthier for it. So that's a good thing. All right. Uh, and it reminded me of this clip. And God in my witness, I'll never be hungry again. That, of course, is from Gone with the Wind and it's kind of warm, so all right, we got a lot more coming up. Stick around next hour. Great stuff. You're not going to want to miss a second of it. We're going to be back here on Cairo Nights.